The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Early Edge NFL Week 15 Mega Preview presented by BetMGM. I am joined by RJ White, who has twice cashed in the world's most prestigious uh, handicapping contest and by Emery Hunt, the czar of the playbook, the founder of Football Game Plan. Guys, we have got a full slate. We have got no buys. We've got 16 games spread across Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. Let's get right into it. Emery, I'm going to start with you on this Chargers-Raiders game because we know it's going to be Easton Stick for the Chargers. Justin Herbert is out for the season. We think it's going to be Aiden O'Connell for the Raiders unless they somehow decide to go back to Jimmy G. But what should we know about Easton Stick? And do you think this line move from Chargers minus four to Raiders minus three, do you think there's a seven-point difference between Herbert and Stick? No, not at all. I think this is because there's a lot of unknown with Easton Stick. And one thing you learn about Easton Stick, he was very successful at North Dakota State, won a championship every year. He was a starter, a national championship, and did a great job at the East-West Shrine game. I want to say it was 2019 when I was down there and talked to him. And he has the mobility that Herbert has, and he's not afraid to take off and run when the situation calls for us. He's going to give him a little bit more movement uh, in, in the passing game. Herbert has the athleticism, but he doesn't always utilize that he tends to forget he's an athlete uh, obviously Her- herbert has better arm talent but i think stick can do a lot in the movement game uh, the play action pass game we saw him have some success at times moving the ball against that broncos defense i think they can actually win this ball game against the raiders i feel like it'll be on the Chargers defense so i'm gonna take the Chargers plus the points here i feel like a lot of people are just unknown about easton stick maybe this is a game we will see Brandon Staley have to put on his big boy coaching pants and call a great game on both sides, him and Keller Moore. So I'm excited for it. I think it will be a very entertaining game, but I do like the Chargers plus the points here. Quinton Johnston, the rookie, finally did something last week when Easton Stick came into the game, and Josh Palmer has been activated. So that has got to help this Chargers offense, which has just been pathetic. RJ, do you think we see some points on Thursday night? I think we'd probably see some points on the Chargers side. I mean, Stick did move the ball better than Herbert when he came into the game in the second half. Um, and what's interesting is uh, Emery talks about his movement. I think he's a better mover than Herbert, but that was not part of the game plan because they were in a, in a Herbert game plan when he came in the game, so we didn't have any rushes. So I wish this game was on Sunday because then you would think that offensive coordinator Kellen Moore would get more movement into the game plan and be able to like utilize his legs a little bit better. So we'll see how much of that he's able to do on the short week, um, but I 
expect that's where you're picking up some first downs with stick and, and planning some things. Well, kind of like what you saw Tommy DeVito do in that, that upset win against the Packers where he was moving the ball with his legs and they were able to move downfield pretty consistently with the run game. That Chargers defense was solid against Denver. They should be able to handle this bad Vegas offense. Might not have Josh Jacobs here. Um, I don't know how they score points. Didn't score points at home last week. And even though the Chargers defense is terrible, they've shown that they can hold down bad offenses like the Patriots offense a few weeks ago. And that's what the Raiders are shaping up to be. Chargers defense also solid situationally on third downs can keep them in a low scoring game. My power rating say to go Vegas here um, initially, but I, I, I didn't give quite the discount to Herbert to stick that I thought I was going to. I think this line is fair. And if I'm going to play it, I'm going to be on Emory's side with stick and the Chargers. And if you guys agree with these guys and want to take the points with the Chargers, where are you going to do it? Well, Hopefully, BetMGM, because new BetMGM customers can sign up today, get a first bet offer up to $1,500. If your first bet loses, you get $1,500 in bonus bets. You have to use the bonus code EDGE1500. That is EDGE1500. Guys, we have three Saturday games, which is pretty interesting. And I think all of them are fascinating, starting with the Vikings at the Bengals. Jake Browning. Number two in PFF grade the last two weeks, 34 points the last two weeks, leads the NFL in completion percentage uh, the past two weeks. All credit to him. But this is tough against Brian Flores. And to me, that's why taking the points is the way I would lean here. This Vikings defense has not given up a touchdown uh, in two straight games. No offensive touchdowns allowed. JLC had a stat that they've actually given up the fewest offensive touchdowns since week seven. Hopefully we see Nick Mullins. That has not been confirmed, but I think the Josh Dobbs experiment has run out. So I'm going to lean towards the points with the Vikings. Look for a tight game. RJ, where do you stand? Yeah, his nickname was the Pastronaut, Josh Dobbs, and then it became the Runstronaut when he was picking up third down, and it's about to be the Benstronaut because there's no reason he should be playing in this game. Um, I agree with you. If Mullins is a starter, this line should be under three. I think that's the expectation of the market because we saw it a little bit higher, and it's come down since then. Uh, but Cincinnati does not have a good home field advantage, um, so I think you need to get this line un to under three to reflect Mullins' work as a veteran and um, his familiarity with this offense that Dobbs did not have coming in. I would stay away with the other quarterbacks, though. Jake Browning has looked like a mini Joe Burrow, you know, but yeah, you said the step up in competition versus Minnesota's defense, that's going to bring pressure. It's going to be interesting to see if he can handle that since his defense showed up versus Indy, but I can't expect back to back good games from them. They're ranked 31st in yards per play. So we'll see if it's Mullins. And if it is Mullins, I'm going to try to get on it before it gets down through three, which is where I expect it to go. And if it's not Mullins, I'm staying away. Yeah. And I think this line is assuming that Justin Jefferson won't play. Uh, Emery, do you lean either way on this spread? I'm going to go under here because we watched that entire Raiders-Vikings game, and I just came away impressed with how uh, consistent that defense was for, for Minnesota and for the Raiders, for that matter. But for Minnesota, it's hard when you have two quote-unquote teams that are struggling offensively. It's usually a shootout situation, but their defense has really held court. I think the defense will hold court here against Cincinnati, but – I trust Jake Browning more than I trust Nick Mullins. I trust the Bengals' weapons more than I trust the Vikings' weapons. So I feel like the Bengals will get enough points to win. But I like the under because I feel like that Vikings' defense will make things make this a rock fight. So they'll pull this total down to, to an under. You're looking at maybe a 20-7 to 7 type game here uh, between these two teams. 
And the Bengals are one of those teams in the jumbled AFC playoff race. And now we've got basically an, an elimination game for the wild card when you have the Steelers visiting the Colts. The Steelers get extra rest, and they're going to need it because you've got T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith in the concussion protocol. You need those two guys if you have any chance in this game. They're, Kenny Pickett will not play. It will be Mitchell Trubisky. But, R.J., how do you recover from losing back-to-back games at home to two and ten teams where you were favored by nearly a touchdown. Yeah, can we eliminate both these teams somehow, regardless <laughs> of what the the result is here? Because I don't want to see either of these teams in the playoffs. I cannot take this Colts team anymore. I was on them last week. I thought it was a good spot for them. They were on a four game win streak against a quarterback who who might have been a little bit playing over his head, and they look just as bad as as Jacksonville did. Um, they're only two and four straight up at home. They're, they're a middle-of-the-road team, and you think that'd be enough to slow down a bad Pittsburgh offense, but then you turn on the, the TV and Indy's giving up 31 points somehow. Um, but this is an easier matchup than last week for Pittsburgh, I think. Pittsburgh's defense buckled down after halftime against New England, but the damage was done. Then you have those injuries. Um, that that obviously is going to play a key role here. I think the Indy offense is capable of creating points for both teams here. Um, so I think the spread is right. I would lean over on the total. I think there's going to be some short fields, and they're going to be able to get this one over. Emery. Yeah, I'm going over as well. I, you know, just when I thought I made a lot of jokes last week about the Steelers and Patriots and we came out that, that game and saw the Patriots just light up the scoreboard. And I feel like Pittsburgh will be much better this time around, at least you would hope. And the Colts tend to find offense and I feel like they'll find enough here. 24-20 sounds about right. You know, so I, I'm going to lean over here. I would stay away from the point spread because you can't really trust either quarterback, but I can trust there's enough offensive firepower out there on both sides of, of the field to help us cash this over. So I will lean that way. Well, so those are some opinions, but we are coming to a game where not only do we have two official plays, but we're going head to head. So Emery, I'm going to start with you and then I'm going to try to respond on Broncos versus Lions. Well, last week we said on, on, on this show and on all the other shows on our network, why is the Broncos not favored against the Chargers. This is the same question for me. Why are they not favored against the Detroit Lions? The point of attack play is where this game will be won and lost. Right now, Detroit is reeling up front on both sides of the line of scrimmage, which is crazy because that's where they have the strength on paper. But losing Frank Ragnow, losing Alim McNeil, your center and your nose tackle, that's you know two parts of your battery up front in football. And you lose those two guys, which opens yourself up to pressure against Jared Goff, who doesn't do a great job versus pressure, and you open yourself up to the run game, which we know the Denver Broncos will do a solid job of staying committed to that. And on defense, there is no real threat going deeper down the field, just straight vertical shots. I'm talking about from the Detroit Lions. They eat a lot off these high-low crossers uh, in the passing game and Jared Goff off play action. So I think from a coverage perspective, Denver can match up well against these receivers. And offensively, again, you talk about playoff elimination game. How about this? Right now, the Lions look like they're going in the opposite direction, and you have a surging Bears, you have a stagnant, um, you know, Green Bay Packers team, and you potentially have a Vikings team if they can figure out how to continue to win to be right there in the mix for the division, which is crazy. And the Broncos know that, hey, they're one game back from the AFC West, so we'll get the best of the Broncos and the best of the Lions, but I feel like the Lions are too banged up right now to compete uh, fully to win this game, so I'm taking them plus the points, the Broncos, that is. Emery, you make some good points, but how about the fact this is their third straight road game? At Houston, at the Chargers, now at Detroit, 
on a short week. That is not a recipe for success. You also have Jared Goff, who is much, much better at home. You have a Broncos team giving up 5.1 yards per carry. That is the highest in the NFL. So what do the Lions do with David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs? They can run the ball. Jared Goff, all the numbers are much, much better at home. I think this is a smash spot for the Lions. I don't think he's going to turn it over three times. Uh, you know, maybe one of them wasn't his fault uh, at Chicago. I think they're excited to get out of the division, to get away from the division where they've been struggling with the Bears and the Packers. Now they get to a team that doesn't know them so well. And I think Jamison Williams, they talked about getting him more involved. I think he could make some plays. And the last point I'll make is they finally are benching Jerry Jacobs, uh, who's just been getting embarrassed and roasted and toasted, including by DJ Moore uh, on Sunday. So that was a great move for Detroit. RJ, will you break the tie? Both made some great points. Um, the interesting thing is that I was on Detroit early in the week when it was around four. The market agreed. They moved it in Larry's direction, got it up to five and a half, and that's where I have it in my power ratings, five and a half. So this seems like a pretty, pretty easy stay away for me if it gets any higher. I'm a little bit interested in Denver just of how competitive they've been. Um, but Detroit's defense can hold that Denver rush offense in check um, if you know the, the McNeil injury isn't that key to them. And, and we've seen that it has been an issue, uh, you know, the, the, in these last few games here, but Denver's likely to move the ball through the air. I think it's a potential backdoor spot for them. Even if um, then Detroit is controlling the game, that secondary, like you said, has been getting roasted. Maybe the change will help there, but I think Denver can backdoor cover here. So getting a little bit pricey here at six, I would consider a play on Denver, but I can't break the tie because my power ratings have it at five and a half. So this seems like the right line to me. All right. Well said, guys. We've got a huge Sunday slate to attack. But first, let's hear from one of our sponsors. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Guys, this is scary because we are all in on one team this this week, all three of us, and it's the Chicago Bears. RJ, tell me why you are on the Bears getting over a field goal against Joe Flacco, who has turned back the clock, and now he's the permanent starter the rest of the way. Because I'm kind of on uh, Emery's boat there with maybe the wrong team's favorite in this game, like he said about an earlier game. Um, I would make this line around a pick them. I think the, the 
Bears have this have shown that they are the better team right now. Flacco is off a big game, but it was against a terrible Jacksonville defense. Going to be much tougher to beat this very improved Chicago defense, up to 13th in yards per play after holding Detroit to 4.2 yards per play. Completely dominated the second half, no points there. They can shut down the run in this game, leave it up to Joe Flacco to pass, and then he's not going to have as easy of a, an opportunity there as he had against Jacksonville um, because that pass defense has been playing well too. Chicago's offense wants to run the ball. That is, if Cleveland has a weakness, that is the weakness. They're just 14th in yards per rush while they're, you know, very, very good against the pass. Um, the defense typically excels at home with, with Cleveland. I've, I've always been fading them on the road and then willing to play them at home. They did not show up in that game last week. They gave up four touchdowns to, to a, a hampered Trevor Lawrence. So I think Justin Fields can come in, have a little bit of success offensively. I don't think there's going to be a ton of points in this game. I would lean to the under as well. But at plus three and a half and what's going to be a low scoring game and I'm getting the better team there, I've got to go with the Bears here. Well, and that's RJ's first official play. Emery, you're going a little bit bolder on the money line. Yeah, I like them on the money line. I feel like the the Bears right now are playing um, as if they see something down the line. Like, hey, we could potentially catch that seventh seed in the NFC uh, if we continue to play well and continue to win. And this is a game that is a winnable game. You even date back to when they should have beaten the Lions on Thanksgiving. So for me, this team is playing red hot right now. And one thing I like about the Bears, they can score. And another thing is when you have a, an aggressive defense like the Browns do, what kills that aggressive defense? The mobile quarterback. You have a guy on the opposite end that can run 4-3 and is likely to go for over 100 yards on any given Sunday. Combine that with his ability to hit the, hit the deep ball. I actually like the over here, in addition to the Bears winning on the money line. They can put up points. I think they'll find some points against the, the Browns. The Browns will find their, will find some on their end as well. Uh, we saw the Lions do that, but I like the Bears here. I think they're playing as a team in all three facets, offense, defense, special teams. They're winning games. I think they win this one here. I'm with you guys. I'm taking the points three and a half. You know, the Browns starting center left with the stinger. He might not be back there. You know, the right tackle is out. They're down to their fourth and fifth string tackles now. And Montez Sweat in that defense is going to pressure a statue in the pocket. So I think it'll be a close game. Probably the Browns win, but I think it'll be by a field goal. Guys, let's move on to the next game. This one's interesting because... The Buccaneers have been amazing on the road this season, covered six of seven. The only one they didn't was that game in Indy where Baker sprained his ankle early and was not very effective. And now you're going up against a Packers team that looked terrible on Monday Night Football, losing as a big favorite. The one caution I have is you just let Desmond Ritter throw for 347. Jordan Love is going to get back on track against this pass defense, in my opinion. RJ, what do you think? Yeah, I really like the Packers here. The reason it's not a best bet for me is that it's three and a half on our line and three is in the market. Love getting it at three. Tampa Bay did not play well enough to beat Atlanta. Outgained 4.3 yards per play to 6.3 yards per play. So they outgained by two full yards per play, but they caught a ton of breaks in that game. Buccaneers defense down to 27th in yards per play, 29th in yards per pass. Should struggle against a pass offense that had been playing well. Um, and they, they, you know, they, Wicks got hurt last game. Watson was out. Maybe that was part of it. We'll see if Watson's able to come back. We'll see if Aaron Jones is able to come back. It seemed like he was close to coming back. What did not was not activated for that game, um, but he might be back this week to help out the Packers as well. Green Bay's defense run all over by the Giants. 
but that's not going to happen with Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield at quarterback where you have that dynamic quarterback, running back, rushing attack. Um, and they're just rush offense in general is pretty bad. So I think it's a bounce back spot for this defense as well at home. One of the best home field advantages in the league. I give them three and a half points for home field advantage. And that is obviously more, um, you know, attuned in December and January when it's cold there and you get warm weather teams coming up to the cold. So if I'm making it three and a half, the market's telling me these two teams are even, I think the Packers are definitely the better team right now. So it makes this line way off. You also talk about Tampa Bay's success in road games. This is now their sixth road game in eight weeks. Their bye was way back in week five. Fatigue could be in play for this team that's already pretty beat up. I think the Packers are going to win this game by at least a touchdown. Wow. Uh, Emery, Jordan Love was just so inaccurate on Monday night. He had guys open uh, that he just missed. Uh, maybe it was just uh, a little bit of the atmosphere, the prime time. I don't know what it was, but what did you take away from that game and how it impacts this one? Yeah, both the Packers and the Dolphins came out flat, but at the end of the day, they had leads late in those ball games. I worry about that Packers defense and defense according to Joe Barry playing soft coverage against a team that had multiple timeouts and under two minutes to play and only needing a field goal. Like, what are you doing? Send pressure, play tight coverage. Don't give him don't give him those easy throws. I like the way Tampa comes out and fights. They may not be a good team by you know league standards, but they're a competitive team. And we know Green Bay has been solid the last weeks outside of uh, you know the, the game against the Giants. I like the over here. I feel like we'll get a game where it goes back and forth. Even if Green Bay builds up a, a quick lead, we'll see Tampa fight back. They have the ability to strike quick. They have the deep ball aspect. And we know Green Bay is susceptible to giving up the ball deep down the field uh, to these receivers. So I feel like this game could go back and forth because this is a, essentially another one of these playoff elimination games we get this weekend, especially from Tampa Bay side, even though they still have the carrot dangled out in terms of winning the division. But, man, you lose this game. Now it kind of knocks you back, puts the Falcons back potentially out there in, in order ahead of you. And Green Bay, you can't keep losing ground because those teams, there's a bunch of six and seven teams at the seventh spot or the eighth spot. So I like this game to go over. I feel like we'll see the most competitive game coming from these two this weekend. Everyone in the world is going to be on the Titans this week as we move on to the next game. And we're already seeing this line creep up towards a field goal because you've got – that amazing comeback on Monday Night Football, that you know quarterback that everyone's railing behind, including Hopkins, and now you've got a Texans team where C.J. Stroud's in the concussion protocol, uh, Tank Dell is out, Dalton Schultz missed again, Nico Collins left with the calf injury. Uh, those are your top three targets. Uh, might have one back at most with Davis Mills. Uh, RJ, what do you think? Yeah, so you're thinking that situation would be good to turn to the run game and just base it on the run game. But uh, this is not a defense that typically is going to let you do much, you know, running the ball with the Titans. Um, Jeffrey Simmons being hurt, you know, slow, has made them a little bit easier. But I think that it's going to be a pretty bad spot for Houston. This is typically a number at two and a half where you're looking to tease Houston. But I really can't do it here with with all those injuries. On the offensive side of the ball, that defense fell apart on the road against Zach Wilson, you know, of all quarterbacks. Now they're 30th in yards per pass against second in yards per rush. The Houston defense looks very much like the, the Tennessee defense here. And you need to be able to throw to beat them. And Will Levis just showed that he can throw. He went in and won a shootout on the road against one of the best, probably the best passing team in the league. And the offense now has had back-to-back -back strong games, one defined by the run, one defined by the pass. And uh, the defense for Tennessee can certainly be thrown all over, but I don't know if they can if their number one receiver is 
is Noah Brown or, or Robert Woods or whoever it's going to be. And, and John Mechie is your top three there. I'm not sure Houston gets to 20 points here. So it makes me hard. It makes it hard for me to play them. And I think there's an outside shot. Tennessee can, can get to 28, 30 in this game. So I'm going to stay away. Um, and I might go to Tennessee depending on how the injury report, report looks throughout the week. And the Titans have actually been good at home. The only loss was to the Colts by three. There is a home loss on their schedule, but that was in London against Baltimore. Otherwise, they've been solid at home. Emery, do you think they keep it going? I am taking the Texans here. I am not falling for the banana in the tailpipe of primetime games and trusting what you see in primetime moments. What I saw last night against the Dolphins is, is Xavier Howard dropped like nine interceptions. Like, bro, that's the ball. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And a lot of times you see it work out in football where you drop the pick and then the next play they score a touchdown. And also at some point, everyone's been talking about Kadarius Toney and lining up all sides. True. He lined up as a linebacker on that play, right? But no one's talked about how DeAndre Hopkins is able to consistently get away with offensive pass interference. Like He legitimately hog ties defensive backs and no one bats an eye. I think this Texas defense will get after Will Levis. They'll force some turnovers. They'll win this one ugly. So the under is definitely in play, in my opinion. So I because the Texas defense will be going against, you know, um, uh, Davis Mills and, and the beat up offense that RJ laid out perfectly. But I can't get away from the amount of, you know, good living that Will Levis was doing last night, you know, in terms of the turnover luck. I feel like Houston will capitalize and get back on the right track. I like the Texans. Well, the team that Houston got blown out by, the New York Jets, going to Miami. And and you have to think about, you have to check Tyreek Hill. He's day-to-day with the ankle injury. Uh, Watching that Dolphins offense, everyone said it on Twitter. This guy is the MVP. He's got over 1,500 receiving yards, and they can't score without him. Um, So now you're taking on a Jets team with a very good pass defense. Zach Wilson was unlocked in the second half. You know, it was 0-0 at halftime. It wasn't like he came out and had the the greatest game, you know, start to finish. But in the second half, using his legs, playing relaxed, highest passer rating, uh, over 300 yards against a bad Texans pass defense, I will admit. So, RJ, are you prepared to believe what you saw from Zach Wilson? Before we get into that game, I want to give a shout-out to Brandon Silva in the chat. Just broke some news that I went and checked on Twitter. Nick Mullins is going to be the quarterback for the Vikings. We were talking about that game earlier. I would run out and get the plus three-and-a-half right now because I think that uh, that gives them a better chance to win that game and compete with Cincinnati. So um, thanks to Brandon for doing that and keeping us aware while we're recording here. I keep Twitter closed as we're recording, but it's a huge note there, and I think the line's going to come down now. So in this Miami and the Jets game, I mean, Jets defense coming off an incredible game, just 2.6 yards per play allowed to Houston. Only one of 13 drives allowed had over 25 yards. Their defense is now second in yards per play and yards per pass. This is one of the few units that could give Miami some trouble, despite what we saw in that first game. Miami needs Tyreek healthy for this game in order to get the upper hand on a strong Jets pass defense. And who knows if he's going to play? I know he gutted it out in that game, but we'll see how he looks in practice this week. Zach Wilson's rare good game versus Houston probably won't last, but got to be better than Tim Boyle, who who's who Miami faced earlier in that blowout. So I think the Jets do have a chance to backdoor with Wilson or the defense could step up and hold Miami to 24 or less, which seems like, how do you hold Miami to 24 points? I mean, they've done, they've been held that, that score five times this year. So it's not like unprecedented for, for that to happen. Um, so the lines dropped a little too much for me to, to play the Jets. I wanted to be on the Jets at nine. You know, I need to know about Tyreek's status before I know which way to go. If it drops any further, though, I'm going to have to throw Miami in a teaser probably with Dallas. And Emery, is, does Miami bounce back big here? 
all week long expect Miami to work on red zone offense because that's where they've struggled a lot recently, and especially last week or last night against the Tennessee Titans. So I am going to go over. I feel like the Dolphins will find a way to get to 20 to 30 points, and I feel like we'll see the Jets. What we saw from Zach Wilson's the guy that's like, you know what? He went straight, and you guys can respect this reference. He went straight Joe Kane from the program. He put the women and children to bed and went looking for dinner, right? He just played free. He was locked in. I think we'll see that again from him. So we'll see a much more functional Jets offense, which means they can get 14 points. But I feel like the Dolphins will, hey, listen, we can't score in the red zone. We have to fix this problem because seeding is now important. We can't continue to lose ground to the Baltimore Ravens. We want everybody to come through South Beach. So I like the over the hit. And before we get to Chiefs Patriots, I also want to thank Brandon Silva because yesterday I got Minnesota plus four and posted it on the site. Uh, so feeling good about at least the, the line value of that play. Hopefully it works out. Chiefs laying a big number at New England. Uh, Chiefs have lost two straight. Patrick Mahomes lost his composure. Uh, I did appreciate the way he came back uh, today and said, you know, he shouldn't have reacted that way, especially to Josh Allen. But getting to the on the field matters, RJ. Uh, this Patriots defense uh, could give this Chiefs offense a lot of trouble. Yeah, the Chiefs offense also giving itself a lot of trouble. We saw what happened with the, the Tony situation, and they just have not been clicking the way they normally would in the past. Typically, you look at the yards per play rankings and ratings and all that, and they're at the top of the league or two or three, and they're down in like the 8 to 11 range in a lot of these categories, which is kind of shocking to see. They did win the yards per play battle in that Buffalo game, 5.6 to 4.5, so they were the much more efficient offense in that game. They did catch some bad breaks. I thought they played well enough to get the win. Obviously, we know what happened on the offsides. He also had that crazy Josh Allen play on the sideline that that looked like it, it, it that was a fumble and then it was almost recovered then went out of bounds I mean a lot of things could have went differently in that game the New England defense fourth in yards per play but 14th in yards per pass where the Kansas City should be expected to have success um, especially with Rasheed Rice getting more run and really emerging as the number one receiver there to complement what else they have we'll see if Pacheco is back that's also a key part to their offense but the Patriots are just a shutdown team against the run so I don't expect much from him Zappi hit some big plays early against Pittsburgh could not sustain it in the second half facing a much better defense here than he faced last week the offense for new england may focus on the run and attack the chiefs defensive weakness but zeke wasn't effective or efficient in the run game last week either i know he caught that pass for a touchdown this line does feel a little low um and they got up to 10 the market said that's too much and they went on the patriots it's hard for me to back the patriots knowing that offense could come out and score three point six points at any time and it's also hard for me to back the chiefs on a big number on the road considering they've been a little bit shaky over the last few weeks so i'm probably just going to be a stay away here. Emery, do you think Bailey Zappi builds off that performance in Pittsburgh? What I like what they did against Pittsburgh, we saw Zeke the receiver be unleashed. He had a lot of these short passes, a lot of screen passes. He scored on the first the first touchdown was a pass. Um, Zeke the receiver is a problem, is a matchup problem here for Kansas City. And I feel like that could be a way they could ease Zappi into the ball game. And again, RJ laid it out perfectly. I can't trust either offense, even though we saw the Patriots offense just come out on, on fire against Pittsburgh. I just can't see that happening again. Kansas City's defense is really good. I like the under here. I'm not too fond of nine and a half, but I like the under a little bit better because I can see both defenses being playing up to, well, hey, this is the Patriots we're playing. This is Bill Belichick. Oh, this is Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. I can see both defenses trying to use that as the motivational chip on their shoulder this game. So I like the under. 
Next game is the Giants at the Saints. And the lasting images from the Giants, of course, Tommy DeVito leading them on the game-winning drive. And from the Saints, even though they get a 28-6 win, they only get 200 yards of offense. And the image that I'm stuck with is Derek Carr fighting with his center over another stalled drive. Obviously, even though they're tied for first, it's not working out in New Orleans. RJ, you have an official play. Love the Giants here. Um, it seems like the square side because, you know, Giants have been playing well. It's got to end eventually, right? But um, three straight wins here. And New Orleans offense did not deserve that blowout win. Like just mentioned, just four yards per play. Only one play over 15 yards. They just, you know, are not explosive at all. And they're just not getting downfield, not doing anything. Derek Carr can't do, can't do it with his arm. And he's been so beat up. He said, I think he said he's playing with three fractured ribs now. Um, as it keeps going, that number keeps going up and up and up. I think if if Jameis was in this game, I'd be a little more scared, but it's obviously going to continue to be Carr. Um, and uh, this is a team that can move the ball. They just showed they can move the ball, and Carolina can't move the ball, and that's how they blew them out. Giants offense, you'd think they're nearly as bad, but uh, New Orleans doesn't pressure the quarterback well. So is a potential spot for DeVito to do more with his arm than his legs, which is what we saw him do last week. Now he might switch it up and go back to the arm. We saw him have some success with his arm against Washington a few weeks back. We also saw him, I think, only throw four incomplete passes on Monday. They rolled out that versatile rush attack with Saquon and DeVito, but New Orleans defense, I think they can defend it because they see plenty of Taysom in practice, so they're kind of used to quarterbacks running around with the ball. Um, so I just think this line went down after the Giants win. It got bet back up. I just don't see where the faith is coming in with the Saints team. They're not good enough to lay this many points against anyone except maybe the Panthers, which they showed last week, and they didn't even play that well in that game. They are also on the road for a Thursday game next against a good Rams team. So if they take this game lightly at all, you know this could be another Giants upset win and they're going on a four-game winning streak, and people start to whisper about Tommy DeVito as QB1 next year, which would be amazing. Emery, I'm guessing that you disagree. <laughs> nah, it, Derek Carr had 37 American yards in the fourth quarter. That's <laughs> insane. You know, in 2023, like, no, no way. I, I'm taking the under. Saints okay. defense actually matches up well here. They match up well on the corners against these giant receivers. They, they're going to be in their face. They're going to force them to beat them one-on-one versus press. So the Saints defense will get a lot of stops in this ball game. But I can't trust the Saints offense enough against a Giants defense that can do the exact same thing, especially against a quarterback that takes a lot of sacks in Derek Carr. Kayvon Thibodeau already has 12 and a half, I believe, on the season. And so he should get at least two in this ball game. They should be a this should this is a very similar matchup. Except you think, okay, at some point this is going to be a Saints. Maybe the Saints do break out offensively because they do have better offensive pieces. But the biggest problem is the guy that controls the ball every play in Derek Carr. But I like the under best in this ball game because I can't trust Carr as far as I could throw him. Emery, and I'm sorry I misread your pick on this game. I like your pick as well, and it does jive with RJ's taking the dog uh, in a very low-scoring game. The points are always more valuable. You know, guys, one of the things I love about Twitter is you can have a good NFL weekend like I did, 11-6, and six, but the one game that people want to talk about is how I backed the Panthers last week. And, yeah, terrible call. That was their third straight road game, which I didn't factor in enough. But I'm going to be tempted to go back to the well with them in this game because of Desmond Ritter's home road splits. Not good on the road. The Falcons typically don't cover. uh, They don't win by margin when they win. And that Panthers defense continues to play well. Now, if Bryce Young could hit one open receiver or his receivers could catch, 
uh, that would be a different story. Uh, I'm thinking that's got to turn at some point. Uh, to me, this feels like the, the like the spot, but I'm going to wait and see if I can get three and a half. Uh, Emery, where do you come down on this game? I'm going to lay these points with the Falcons. I, I like that we're seeing explosive plays in the passing game from Atlanta. We're starting to see Kyle Pitts get involved deep down the field. Drake London had two huge catches against Tampa Bay. The last one came up a bit short, uh, about two yards short of the end zone at the end of the game. And we're seeing B. John Robinson start to rip off a lot of chunk plays on both sides of offense. So all of that said, the Panthers offense just doesn't generate a lot of explosive plays. And we saw their defense, or saw their offensive line get overwhelmed by the Saints defensive front last week. The Falcons can apply the same type of pressure that the same type of athletes within the front seven. I like the Falcons to win here, so I'm going to lay these points. Emery, I mean, uh, RJ, excuse me, uh, break the tie here. Well, I'm going to break the tie by taking a best bet in this game and going under 35 points. Um, Emery talks about the athleticism on the defensive front for Atlanta. A lot of those guys are hurt. They've been banged up on, on defense. And I think this is really going to help Carolina, especially running in the interior, which is the one area they've had a little bit of success. You know, when you've seen them be competitive, it's been Chuba Hubbard running, you know, for 100 yards in a game here and there. And I think they might be able to do it, kind of control this game, shorten it, and still not score touchdowns because this is Carolina we're talking about. I'm not going to go, you know, wild here and suggest they could get to 20 points or anything but but I think they'll be able to have a little bit of success moving the ball on the ground their defense I say it every week underrated a good unit they're gonna they're gonna do their you know some work and they're gonna hold the team they're playing to to low a low amount of points and yardage didn't happen with the points on New Orleans but they did hold them like you said at 207 yards 4.0 yards per play largely kept them in check should not have been a blowout in that game defense continuing to play well as it's gotten healthy gonna have success at home against the Desmond Ritter led offense um, and Atlanta won the yardage per play battle last week by two, and they still lost due to bad mistakes. You typically don't see to Atlanta, but that stuff gets exacerbated when you go on the road here. Um, and uh, so we'll see if the I expect the field goal kicker to do better, Ku to do better here, but we'll see how much the rest of it gets cleaned up. I would play Carolina if it got to three and a half, like you suggested. Otherwise, I'd look for a game without many points. So my best bet here is just going to be the under 35. It really feels like one of those ugly 16 to 10 type of games. And guys, we're getting close to what is clearly the game of the day. But first, we got to hear from one of our sponsors. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The Commanders visiting the Rams, not the game of the day, but an interesting spot because the Commanders had the bye. They, you know, they got torched, gave up 40-plus to the Cowboys and the Dolphins. Uh, now they're facing another potent offense. The Rams have been unbelievable since their bye, 3-1, and one. 
probably should have won or could have won in Baltimore. They lose on a punt return in overtime. This is a team that could run the table uh, and make the playoffs. Uh, to me, it's going to be lay it or don't play it just because of how bad the commander's defense has been, uh, especially since they traded away their two best defensive linemen. But RJ, where do you stand? Yeah, the problem is Washington is an offense that can backdoor some coverage here with the quality they have at receiver. Um, you know, maybe they've had some time to get healthy. Those guys have been banged up for several weeks. Um, and if they come out here and are in chase mode, you know, they can – Sam Alizona has shown he can throw up 300 yards against against teams, throw up a couple touchdowns, and make this a competitive game here. So if I'm leaning anywhere on the spread, it's probably going to be to Washington just because I think they can backdoor cover. I'm more interested in the over here if I'm going to play it. Right now it's at 49. But that Rams offense was excellent against the number one defense in the league at Baltimore put up 5.6 yards per play there and now they rank top 10 in yards per play and they can win with both the run and the pass so if they need to do it with the run they can do it with Kyron Williams they obviously don't need to do that here they can throw it all over Matthew Stafford can throw it all over this defense and it should be a field day against against Washington which ranks 32nd in yards per play Rams defense struggled against an elite Baltimore offense obviously Washington is not that offense but they have been able to to show up and, and, and backdoor some coverage here I would not be surprised by any final score the Rams could win this game 45 to 10 the commanders could win this game like 38 to 17 um it wouldn't shock me that much i just think points are the way you want to go in this one i'm going to look to the over and if i play the uh the spread it's probably going to be washington emory you agree with the over even though we have uh what in today's nfl is a very high total of 49 i love the over here you have a couple of factors that play rj laid them out perfectly in terms of what the Rams can do. But if you notice in that game against Baltimore, how many deep ball passes that Lamar Jackson missed because receivers either turn around the other way or he maybe threw it to one direction, the receiver went the other direction. But there was like three yards of, of separation from the receiver and the Rams defender. Now you have ideal conditions in a guy in Sam Howell that can throw the deep ball, but throw the intermediate ball rather well. I see this one going back and forth. This could look a lot like what we just saw with them versus Baltimore. Uh, so I like the Rams and the, the Washington Commanders to go over. Uh, they're going to they're gonna go over this total together. So I feel like this is going to be a 30-27 type ball game. Should come down the wire because, again, Washington has some elite talents at receiver, a quarterback that's battle-tested, that is not afraid to chuck it and take some sacks and chuck it some more. And we see, uh, for whatever reason, Puka Nakua has nine lives. He dies every week on the field, but he's back the next week ready to go and is always going over 100 yards. So I expect everyone to get a lot of yards and a lot of uh, touchdowns in this ball game. So I like the over. Well, the best team in the NFL also in action, visiting Arizona. That's the San Francisco 49ers, the Super Bowl favorites, uh, putting up 27-plus with ease basically every single week. This is a situation where you have a similar spread to last week, and if you got on the Niners early last week, you covered. If you didn't, uh, you, if you got on late, you didn't cover in the 12-point win over Seattle. Uh, to me, they do have the Ravens on deck. Uh, they could probably take the Cardinals lightly and still cover. But, RJ, uh, would you lay this big of a number? Uh, definitely not. If I'm playing this, it's going to be Arizona, which I don't know that I will because I don't know if I want to get in front of the San Francisco offense at all. Another dominant performance by them, 9.9 yards per play, four drives <laughs> of 75-plus yards. 
I don't know how Arizona slows them down. I don't know how anybody slows them down. But it was not an as impressive day for the San Francisco defense, giving up 5.9 yards per play to Drew Locke, who you know we didn't know was going to play until game day. And now they're down to fifth in yards per play. We think of that unit as being an elite unit. And overall, they are, but they've been a little bit shaky at times here and there. This is a look-ahead spot for San Francisco. Like you said, they're playing an easy opponent. They're on the road, and then they get to have to go to play Baltimore next week on a game they need to win to maintain the number one seed in the NFC with uh, Dallas and Philly both tied in record with them. Arizona's off a bye. Two weeks to prepare. Know they need to come and bring their best in this game. They have good run offense. They have a good red zone offense. They can have some success, score a few points here. I think teams are, the betters are just looking at the 49ers team as a juggernaut that there's going to cover every game, going to beat a bunch of teams by margin. And like you said, the closing number, they did not beat last week. So if this line creeps up even more because nobody wants to take the Cardinals in this spot, I might have to start looking at Cardinals if we get over 14 here. Um, and that's even with, I think that this rating should probably be a little bit lower, like 11 and a half, 10 and a half. And I have San Francisco two and a half points clear of the number two team in my power ratings way in front of, of everyone. And this line is still a few points too high for me. So this is just a, uh, you know, the, the case of when these, these juggernauts happen, uh, they get inflated by the market and you really just need to look if you're going to play it to the other team, if it gets to a good enough number. Emery, would you take two touchdowns with the Cardinals if it gets to 14? I will stay away from the, the spread, but I like the under here. Because I feel like the defense of San Francisco can find some success success against this passing game of Arizona. So I feel like if they're going to be points, it's just going to be coming from San Francisco's side. So I like the under more so than anything. This game could easily get tight. You know, we could see 30 to 17, which puts us skating right up on that line. But the ball doesn't cross the plane, which means we cash the under. Well, this is the game of the day. And it involves RJ's Buffalo Bills hosting the Dallas Cowboys. This game is so interesting because the Cowboys have been a juggernaut at home. Uh, no question about it. They put up 40-plus at home uh, against most teams. But now they're coming to a rejuvenated Bills team that, even if you want to say it wasn't deserved, they made some big plays down the stretch. They got some good pass rush uh, in that last drive after the penalty uh, to stop the Chiefs from coming back and winning. Their season was saved. I think there is a sense of togetherness that they can still do this and it's kind of refreshing they're not the favorite anymore uh and i think there's there's a nice mojo and we're seeing the line reflected people are buying into the bills and buying into the spot because the cowboys got their revenge against the eagles and now you got to travel outside they're a different type of a team i'm worried about micah hyde rj what is your biggest x factor for this game and do you have a side on it um, do I have a side? Uh, not really. I was looking bills earlier when it was lower, but I, apparently the whole market was. I was surprised that they were that popular considering how good the Cowboys have been. I know the bills have been popular in futures markets because of how low their record got and how much on the ropes they looked. But if you look at the wild card race of the AFC, there was a lot of those teams were dropping out. You know, you're not going to roll to the playoffs with Steelers, Browns and, and Colts and those type of teams up there. So uh, not, not, not a surprise that people were on them in futures. And then they were validated a bit when they were able to go out into Arrowhead and beat the Chiefs. A huge win for the Bills here. So also maybe a little bit of a letdown spot here. I know both these teams are great. Neither can take them, you know, to take them lightly, but, you know, both teams coming off huge wins there. Um, but we, like we said, a little fortunate with the Bills there. Allen only threw one awful pick. He's really the X factor to me. This Cowboys defense, elite at pass rush, elite at generating takeaways. And Allen likes to make one or two or three or four or seven dumb throws a game. Which one, how many of those turn into picks? Does Deron Bland house one like he's done five times this season? 
Um, you know, maybe the offense for Buffalo tries to avoid that by running more. They have been comfortable doing that. They are running more than they have in the past. Maybe that neutralizes the pass rush a bit if they're not so pass happy in this game. And Dallas dominated Philly on the surface in that game. They were actually outgained 6.2 yards played to 5.3. Three fumbles killed Philly in that game. Dallas hit those three super long field goals, including two of 59 plus. I believe Aubrey already ranks like seventh in history in kickers that have kicked 59 plus yard field goals. And it was only with the work that he did in that one game. That's how rare it is to hit those those type of long field goals there. Um, so I think Dallas is probably the better team overall. Just three and three straight up on the road. Buffalo five and one in true home games. Buffalo's home field advantage, typically not that great. I think the line should probably be a little lower. Um, I would love to tease Dallas here at plus two and a half. So if I'm going to play the side, it's going to be in a teaser. I just don't have anything I like teasing it with. These other games that are at two and a half, like the Houston-Tennessee game, like the Pittsburgh game, I don't want to tease those teams. So I'm just kind of waiting and seeing with this game, seeing if it gets to three, I'll play the Cowboys. If it doesn't, I'll try to tease them with something if it gets into my teaser range. Emery, let's hear your take. RJ just said a lot to say Dallas is going to win this ball game, right? So <laughs> I'm going to say it for him. Dallas, money line. And the reason why I like Dallas, he touched on it. Dallas does not drop interceptions. Josh Allen will give you four in a game. Dallas won't drop any of them. What Buffalo should do is, RJ touched on it perfectly, they have to run the ball. They are solid at running the football. I'm impressed with what, 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 uh, Cook James Cook has done this year in running run the football when he's held on to it. So that could be the way they could neutralize. But what I like about the Dallas offense is that they have one-on-one receivers across the board, guys that can win those individual matchups. They're now starting to get even more so involved in the, the regular offense. Kevontae Turpin, who's explosive, they're starting to realize Rico Dotto is better as the, the pace setter and allowing someone like a Tony Powell to operate in that RB2 role like he's done well in his career. So now their offense is really cooking. And in this ball game, they have the better quarterback in Dak Prescott. So, But what's funny about Dallas, I feel like the Cowboys are trying to force everybody to forget that they got spanked by San Francisco and they're winning all these games. Like, hey, man, they won this game. They won this game. They beat the Eagles. Like, yeah, but you keep going back to, man, 49ers really beat the brakes off these dudes. So I still feel like they're playing with that. We got to prove that we are a good football team to get that taste out of everybody's mouth. But they'll go into Buffalo armed with a, a team that can get pressure on the quarterback, that can cover on the back end, that can turn the ball over. And we're not just going to ignore the USFL's own Brandon Aubrey, like RJ talked about, how he's a weapon at kicking field goals and the USFL's MVP and Kevontae Turpin getting more involved. This is a bad matchup for Buffalo, so I like the Dallas Cowboys on the money line. And Emery, two underdog money line plays, official plays for you. Very excited about those. But I do want to point out that if Buffalo can get past this game, they got the Chargers at the Chargers. No home field advantage there. They have the Patriots. Um, and so those are two wins right there. So if they can get this one, they're 10 and 6 heading to Miami uh, for the regular season finale. And, and we'll see if the Dolphins are already locked into a spot by then. Probably Miami will need it for something the way things are trending. Uh, but I like how it sets up if Buffalo can get past this one. Guys, we have two actually interesting Sunday night, Monday night games that we got to get to. The amazing uh, performance, gutty performance by Trevor Lawrence in Cleveland. Most people didn't think he would play. Uh, he plays. They almost, uh, they probably should have covered. Uh, they go for two uh, instead of uh, kicking the extra point there. Uh, and they lose by four and anyone who had Cleveland can breathe a sigh of relief like myself. But now hosting the Ravens, 
Kyle Hamilton's status to me is very important to this game. Uh, the safety for the Ravens, who's been a big factor in their defense. But other than that, uh, I have not dove into this one. RJ, where are you looking at this one? Yeah, people were asking me in the office in that game, like, why why are they going for two here? You know, why not just go for the point and kick it? I don't think they wanted to get to overtime. Trevor Lawrence, they scored four touchdowns in that game. So I think a couple of them pretty short drives. But uh, he did not play. I don't think he played that well, despite the performance. He was definitely just not himself. And I don't think they wanted to go an extra period with him and have him to keep rolling around on that ankle there. Um, so Baltimore won a tough game against a very underrated team. Pass offense is playing well, despite the Mark Andrews injury. Um, you know, Emery talked about Odell. Odell and the receivers getting turned around left and right, but he was making those catches still um, a lot of the time. So um, it's working for them pass offense wise and this Jaguars defense not good defending the pass, which we saw against guys like Jake Browning, you know, revolutionaries to the pass game like that. Um, Baltimore's defense still number one in yards per play after a rare bad game. They should be focused after a wake up call against that Rams team at home. So I'm surprised Jacksonville scored those 27. They had just four yards per play, had two touchdown drives of, like I said, short, there were 12 and 25 yards here. Lawrence did not seem comfortable he'll probably be a little bit healthier this week but he's also going against a pretty good defense here had trouble connecting with his receivers in that cleveland game line feels a little high just because jacksonville is a solid team overall i just don't want to take him in the spot even catching the hook here so i think if i play it it's going to have to be for baltimore and expect them to be dominant on both sides of the ball here Emery, what's amazing about Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, some of the passes were not perfectly on target, yet they still went for long gains. I mean, the numbers he's putting up are ridiculous. Do you think they keep rolling in Jacksonville? Absolutely. You have a couple of factors here. You have they are the number one seed. They're trying to maintain that, number one. Number two, this is a primetime game. We know the Ravens show up when the bright lights are on because they want everybody to showcase, uh, show themselves that, hey, this is a team that you need to take serious. And it, the matchup here dictates that they should win this game. So lay the points with the Ravens. I also like the over. I don't trust the Ravens' secondary as well uh, as a lot of people do. I feel like they are susceptible to the deep ball. They never turn around and find the ball. Humphrey had a chance to end that ball game in regulation, but dropped the interception in the end zone. Trevor Lawrence does a great job working the intermediate level of the field. I think that's going to put a guy like Patrick Queen in question, having to work through zone coverage. And without a Kyle Hamilton potentially – um, I would rest him because of those MCLs. I've had that before. That's a little bit tricky. It's all about comfort and feel. But if you could sit him, well, you should. Uh, so I, I feel like the Jags will find some points in this game. But the Ravens will win. Uh, and, and they'll win by more than three and a half. So eight points, but also take the over. Another interesting game on Monday Night Football where the Eagles visit the Seahawks. It's been such a brutal uh, couple of weeks for the Eagles having to play the 49ers and the Cowboys. So this should feel like a breath of fresh air. But going up to Seattle for primetime is still not an easy spot. I like that they get an extra day of rest because to me this team uh, feels like they're banged up and worn out and they need the extra rest. Uh, But it's kind of shocking to lay that many points at Seattle. RJ, are you going to lay it? Yeah, defense has not been playing that well for Philly, um, and it's just these passing offenses can get them. And we've seen it with the string, string of tough opponent, po- opponents they've had. They just have not been able to stop the pass here. Now, maybe that's going to be a little bit easier, especially if Drew Locke is quarterback. We saw he was actually solid 
uh, for a lot of that game against San Francisco. But, you know, I think having Gino back there, I'm, I'm more excited about them scoring points if Gino is the quarterback. Market rating on Philly dropping after the blowout loss. Uh, I think that game should have been closer, like I laid out earlier. Um, Philly's defense helped Dallas's offense to several long field goals. The offense moved the ball pretty easily against a very good Dallas defense. Just could not overcome the fumble issues there. Um, but the defense is still mediocre overall. Awful on third down, awful in the red zone. But uh, Seattle's not really great situationally in those spots either. So I think the Seattle offense that looked better than expected with Locke um, can give a problem to to uh, to Philly. I think their defense is also a major problem for Philly's offense that they can exploit. Feels like a must win for both teams. Feels like um, the over is probably the way you want to look here. Philly will know a, w- a win puts them ahead in the division. We'll know if the win puts them ahead in the division because they'll know obviously what happened in that Cowboys-Bills game. Um, so I'm leaning to Philly here, but I kind of want to see what happens um, first on Sunday before we play it on Monday and also want to see the availability of Seahawks quarterbacks because it'll either probably be Philly minus four or it's going to be the over, but probably not both. Four straight losses for Pete Carroll, but three of those were toward to the 49ers and the Cowboys. And then the one that really got away was that one against the Rams 17, 16, but can they rally the troops and all in moment at home in prime time? I mean, if they don't show up for this one, they're never going to show up and they have a pretty good schedule the rest of the way. They can run the table. They have three very winnable games after this one, but they got to get this one. Emery. Yeah, I'm going to lay the points. I'm going to do the RJ special. I know he just he went against it, but I'm going to lay the points because I think the Eagles will win. You got to keep pace. You got to stay, stay winning in order to survive for that number one seed. And I like the over because I feel like on the other side, Seattle will play this game like they did against Dallas, where the matchup dictates, hey, you can throw directly at those corners against uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. And you have two legit guys that can get it done three if you count the rookie Jackson Smith and Jigba and you have a tight end that you can trust because you have a matchup that's available to you with those safeties over there in Philadelphia so I feel like this is going to go back and forth but the Eagles both teams are in a must-win game Um, so I like the Eagles later points but I also like the over here as well what a great way uh, to cap off this weekend in the NFL. Yeah, 16 games broken down. Guys, let's go over our official best bets for the show very quickly. RJ, you've got three. Let's hear them. Bears plus three and a half. Love getting the hook there. I think they're the better team, and Cleveland should not be getting that much for home field despite their defense typically playing well at home. Did not see that last week. Giants plus six. Seems like the square side, but Saints should not be laying that many points against anyone with how they're playing right now, how their quarterback, even in a huge win, not not on the same page with his offensive line. I just don't think they're winning by margin in most cases, and they really shouldn't have last week. Like that Falcons-Panthers game, under 35. The Panthers defense has played very well over the last few weeks. Score hasn't always reflected it, but they have been playing well most games their offense cannot score a touchdown um, to save their lives so i don't know how there's going to be that many points in this game really feels like it's going to stay even under 30 if you want to start looking at some alt alt unders here emory you've got three let's hear them i got three at plus money so i'm trying to cash big individually and string these together in a nice little parlay too so i'm gonna go bears money line i like them over um the browns i like the cowboys over the bills and i like the broncos I could do that money line as well, but I do like them plus five and a half because I feel like this is a team that's playing so much better in all three of the games. So those are my three best bets for the weekend. And for my two best bets, I'm going head-to-head with you, Lions versus Broncos, because it's the Broncos' third straight road game. It's a short week. The turnover luck, they've had it in six of their last seven games, which has coincided with their winning streak. And Jared Goff at home, 
perfect conditions, I think bounces back with kind of one of those clean games for like 280 and two touchdowns and the Lions get a seven point win. And then the Bears, I'm with you guys. The defense has been so good over the last six weeks. They stopped the run and Cleveland may very well win this game at home, uh, but not by more than a field goal. Everyone, thank you so much. We will be back tomorrow morning on this channel, 10 a.m. See you, Najad, with the Early Edge. Good luck in NFL Week 15. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.